listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. It's Michael here with another episode of the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Today, I've got a real treat for you, a really awesome guest, a great friend of mine and someone who's been an amazing teacher for myself and so many other people in the Melbourne music scene. And that is the head of guitar at Box Hill Institute, the the master finger wizard in the jazz and Latin sort of scene here in Melbourne. And that is Mario Latuada. Mario, welcome to the Top Music Guitar Podcast. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's uh, good to see you and I'm, I'm looking forward to answering your questions. It's great to see you too and great to have you on here. Well, you know, I first met you when I was 18 or maybe it was even 17 um, looking at auditioning at Box Hill many years ago. That would have been about 2007, 2008, depending on when the open day was, a long time ago. So yeah. I remember coming to the open day and having a conversation with you about, you know, what we need to do to, to get into university and, you know, the rest is history from there. So yeah. um Mario, I didn't actually have Mario as a formal teacher. I had him for guitar ensemble class and a technical class and a couple of um, lessons here and there when some of the other teachers were away. But um, he he was absolutely awesome. Someone who I think had more fun teaching the lessons than we did taking them. If I could say one thing about Mario, he always had a smile on his face. But Mario, can you give the listeners a brief introduction about yourself and an overview about your journey so far? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, I, I started at Box Hill Institute in 1988, a long time ago, uh, as a sessional, and I did that for three years. And prior to that, I was teaching, can you believe it, clarinet as well as guitar. Uh, I lasted two years in the education department, but that wasn't for me, just going to a different itinerant music teacher. But I was teaching woodwinds uh, because I'm also a clarinet player, but I haven't played for a long time. I wasn't actually teaching guitar in the high school. I was teaching clarinet, saxophone, <laughs> flute, or whatever they had, you know. So that wasn't for me. So then I freelanced for a bit and I got the sessional job at Box Hill Institute. And then luckily in 1991, I got the full-time position there and uh, i am just completed 30 years of teaching full-time at Box Hill Institute and I'm currently on my long service leave for one year this year. So. Yeah, it's a bit different after 30 years, you know, going to school every day, Box Hill Institute. Uh, I'm just at home here and it's kind of nice, but I'm getting a little bit fidgety, to be honest, three months into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine. I reckon I'd go mental if I had nothing to do for a year, but no, you definitely earned your break. <laughs> and 30 oh, yeah. years, wow. Um, yeah. I know one awesome student, but how many students would you have taught uh, at oh, Box Hill during the, you know, the course of you know, 30 years? Probably thousands, yeah. We tried to work it out, but it'd be thousands. But in terms of guitar, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea, but um, it'd be thousands. And uh, the really nice thing is that I'm still connecting with students that I've 
taught 30 years ago and yourself from 2007 and and you know I haven't you know Chris Cheney was one of my first students from the living end and um Cameron Mitchell he, he's I still am in contact with him and uh, look it, it's wonderful they're all there are so many friends I I call them friends now on Facebook that look after me they they get me gigs <laughs> they help me with uh, computer questions and they know who they are and it's just I'm so lucky for me it was like I've planted all these seeds and now I'm you know seeing the result uh, and I keep up with performances that they do I, I'm very lucky really and and to know you Michael you you've helped me with my music business so thank you to you too yeah well it's a pleasure to help and uh, Awesome stuff, and, and it's exactly what you said, spreading seeds around there. And, you know, you essentially get to reap what you sow, and, and by sowing great positive energy and helping people, you know, yep. all that benefit's hopefully going to come back to you now yep. if it hasn't already uh, continuously come well, back to you. But, I can tell and, you, and, and, good yeah, karma comes back to you. <laughs> 100%. And for all the teachers listening to this, it's who might be, you know, one year or five years into the game, just to realise how – further down the track you can have a big impact on your students lives and how someone you teach now might go up to be a professional guitar player like mario did with chris from the living end or simply the fact that people you know during covid 20 years down the track during the lockdowns and everything could go oh yeah i'll dust out the old guitar and bring back a bunch of new memories and have a bunch of great more time so you can have a bigger impact on people's lives and what you you know may fathom or even believe where you are right now yeah, Michael, I just want to say, you know, I always mention Chris Cheney, of course, he's done very well. But there are so many um, other of my guitar students that have created uh, guitar schools like yourself. There's a guy called Reese Lett and he he runs out of Baronia there and I think oh, somewhere else he started a guitar school. And in this guitar school, he's got Xbox Hill students teaching in there. Yeah, a lot of Xbox Hill students guitar students and others that have created their own music schools and i know that you've got your one in essendon there as well so you know there's a lot of guys in the industry playing uh, one of them is troy downwood who is now playing in all the musicals at the moment so he's doing well there uh, music schools uh, recording uh, look it's just amazing you know if, if you work hard and you've the thing is to be diverse, you know, Michael. One of your questions that you're going to ask me, I think I wrote it down. And the more the more fingers you have in different pies, the more people will ring you. If you only do one thing, you know, I mean, yeah, that, that's great. But if you can record, if you can arrange, if you can compose, if you can write music, if you can play, if you can play different styles, then you've you know and if you can do backup vocals as well you know you've got a much better chance of being employed as i've found out 100% and we're definitely going to have a chat about you know how to become an employable musician and career paths for people who want to aspire and the last little thing before we move on is you know it's really easy to point to some of our students who do really well or the people that become professional musicians but often it's just simply giving somebody who has an otherwise mundane life or has no hobbies something to do and some enjoyment in their life simply by picking up the guitar and having fun or spending some time with you. That's just, yeah. just, just as much a victory for you and your teaching as it is, you know, training the next Jimi Hendrix and things like that. So guys, again, don't underestimate the impact you can have on people's lives. But speaking of career pathways, uh, Mario, um, you were definitely present at my audition. I remember it <laughs> like it was yesterday. 
Um, and Box Hill's got a fantastic institute. And again, part of the reason why I went to Box Hill was just because I'd heard so much about its contemporary guitar program and all the great work that you were doing and, and how you know impactful on the local scene it was with all these great musicians coming out of it. What's it like and what are you looking for in students who are auditioning and, and trying to go down the pathway of being uh, a, a you know employable musician and going through music school as such after their education? Uh, you, you talk about the audition? Yeah, so in terms of those who... What should they do to you know audition or try to you know, go to, go to music school? Yeah, well, I, I must have done thousands of auditions, and to be honest, Michael, within the first thirty seconds, I can already tell whether I would be letting that student in or not. One hundred percent. It would only take me thirty seconds. So I'm going to reverse the question. What do you think? What What do you think? I the qualities I would see in the first thirty seconds, Michael. I think just. Or even before the first 30 seconds, just by coming to the pre-audition, you can get a feel for who's motivated and who's not. Um, you can see when people are nervous or not, or if, you know, they feel comfortable. And then, of course, you know, their air as a performer, things along the lines of that. But <laughs> Some people can be nervous but are, are good players, you know. Some people can be really confident but aren't good players, you know. But it's, it's the demeanour, the demeanour of the student. It's how they present themselves. How, how they're dressed, how they get the instrument out of the case, how they tune the instrument, the care in which they take with the backing track and the way they, they respond to you when you speak to them as a human being. Uh, that's what I'm talking about the first 30 seconds, Michael. The guitar, when I hear them play, that's the other, you know, that's the other side of things. And, you know, pretty much I was never wrong when I let people in. I let you in, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And look, talent is very important. Talent is very important. But, you know, it's like having a good attitude, you know, towards life. That's important if you're going to be a student. And, and the course, you know, is this, if, if I choose this student, is this student going to complete the course? You know, because a lot of the time they come and they last three months and, you know, are, and, and are they going to uh, react well with their peers? You know, that's, they're the things that we were looking for to begin with. Then, okay, now let's hear you play. You know, that's the way it is. Yeah, so it's almost like the attitude is more important than the technical ability Absolutely. in the beginning. If, if you know, uh, if the sight reading is not good and usually more than 50% of the time the sight reading isn't good, but the playing is musical and, that you know, you can see that the student would have an opportunity if they were gu had guidance, then I would rather that. Uh, sometimes we would have students that would be, you know, have too much of an attitude. We're, we're very confident in playing, but uh, I, I'd rather it the other way around. That's it. And obviously, you know, you've got quite a number of students in a big pool to pick from. So it's kind of like nurturing. And I know this is a bit of an institution rather than a private music school, but it's important to have the right community of students and make sure everyone gels with each other, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, these students create lifelong friendships, Michael. And I'm sure you still uh, have friends in your year, you know. And it's amazing when I look on Facebook, you know, students that I taught 25 years ago, they're still friends now. They go to each other's weddings and still friends. And I can tell you just a little story. Um, my wife's friend said, you've got to come to, to the hills, you know, um, to, to listen to this band. They're amazing. And I thought, oh, yeah, all right. They, people are always telling me to come and check out a band. Well, 
Uh, I don't know if you remember them or know them, but they were called Fats Wawa, and they were a wonderful band. And so I get there, and uh, lo and behold, three of the members <laughs> I taught 25 or 26 years ago at Box Hill Institute, the guitarist, the drummer, and the bass player. And, and I went up and said hello, and my, my wife said, do you know everybody in Melbourne? I said, <laughs> not only do I know them, I taught them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, it was, and, and Cameron's playing was just exquisite. It was country, it was funk, it was reggae, and they were still mates together after all those years of doing rhythm section at Box Hill or whatever, you know. And I thought, and I hadn't seen them for 20-something years. And I thought, wow, how good is that? How good is that? Definitely. Absolutely amazing stuff. And, yeah, you, you can't go anywhere, Mario. <laughs> no, to be honest, it's true. Everywhere, Every time I go somewhere with somebody playing, I go, oh, yeah, I taught him. Yeah, I taught her. I taught, you know, and it's just wonderful. Like I told you, I've planted all of these seeds. I, I did a concert with um, Robbie Melville's doing really well at the moment. He, he won an award for composition. And... Uh, the piano player, oh, I can't think of her name now. She won an award as well and with the ABC. She did the Lullaby Project. Oh, she's <laughs> going to kill me. I can't think of her name. Look, there's so many, I can't think of their names. As yeah. it, a thousand plus. I, I think I heard a statistic, you can only actively like remember 300 names at any one time. So oh, you've got about three and a half times the amount there. But awesome. Yeah. Now, in terms of people who want to become career musicians, you're obviously getting people coming in at a certain point and a certain level. So how do you approach teaching these kind of people differently than beginners, for example? Uh, well, with the beginners, uh, where did I write this? Uh, with a total beginner, it's important to engage them immediately, you know, and I think it's important to get them improvising as soon as possible, Michael, you know. You just play a couple of chords as an accompaniment. You teach them three notes. You know, I saw Don Burroughs. He was a famous clarinet saxophone player. He played a blues with one note a blues with two notes, a blues with three notes, and uh, George Gola was accompanying him. And I thought, wow, how good is that? Why didn't I think of that, you know? And you can teach a kid to play one note, but, uh, but I mean, see James Blues, for goodness sakes, you know? And if you can get them engaged immediately rather than, but don't, don't get me wrong, reading is very important and I'm very big on reading, but it's got to be a balance of having fun and you know, learning the, the you know the hard stuff, which is reading. So I get them to improvise immediately, or even get the pedals out and just make good, funny sounds, or you know, sounds. You know, they've got it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, Michael, forget it. One hundred percent. And maybe I'll ask your opinion. I found I went from being a very good guitar player at high school, where the system was geared towards you know learn this piece to pass the exam, to being yeah. you know really really struggling in year one because I just never improvised before. So what, what are your sort of thoughts on that topic of, you know, the people that haven't improvised before? <laughs> just make it simple. You know, one chord, you should be able to improvise over one chord with seven notes, just the diatonic notes in C major. And then, you know, in one to four, you know, chord one to four. I could play one to four all day and then four to three and then one to two, two to five, just the basic one, two, three, four, five, six, the seven chords, you know, in a major scale. You know, how many tunes have that? Uh, two, five. You know, Pink Floyd, Great Gig in the Sky, that famous solo that the woman sings over, that goes for about three or four minutes. It's just a two, five, Michael. Two, five. You know, how good is that song? Yeah. So just begin with one chord, 
E9, <laughs> shark nine, <laughs> and just improvise over that. Then two chords. I could happily play over two chords all day, you know, and then three chords. All right, and then, you know, the harder jazz stuff with the bebop and so forth eventually. But it's got to be fun. Awesome. And in terms of once the students get to you at that advanced level, what happens there or wherever they come in at that entry point within the university system? Well, this was the plan over the last 10 or 15 years. In first year, you know, it's we, we kind of prescribe the pieces for the students. Yep, They have a set cho- choice, but we, we say, look, work on this, this, this and this, right, in first year. In second year, it's more about, you know, well, what kind of styles are you interested in, you know, and we, we give them more choice. Yeah? And by the time they get to third year, well, that's it. You've got to have your style and your own voice. And uh, if you're going to be, a, you know, bebop guitarist, your final recital has to be just bebop pieces. If you're going to be a Stevie Ray kind of blues player, you've got to play a variety of that sort of thing. So we, we changed it from when you were there. You know, when you were there, you had to play a, a category from here, here and here. Well, you know, along the lines we thought, well, that's silly because, you know, a rock guy needs to be good at rock playing, not not bebop. They can have a go at it, you know, and especially if they don't want to do it, and vice versa. Yeah. So by the final recital, uh, a student should just have their own voice and play a kind of genre style guitar playing that they they want to make a living on, you know, when they leave. That's how we do things at Box Hill. That's absolutely amazing. So it's more about nurturing the musician for who they are and helping them discover, you know, what they want to be. Definitely. And uh, the uh, changes in uh, performance platform have been really good. Uh, Tamara Murphy's teaching there, Shane O'Mara, Peter Luscombe. And, you know, by second year, they have to play 20 minutes of, you know, music that's arranged and, and or composed by themselves. And they have to explain who they are. And it's really quite deep. Yeah. So performance craft is what... Uh, Oxil is really heading towards at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. And before you mentioned, you know, making money out of your music, so what advice do you have for people who are looking to get into a music career but don't quite, you know, know how to make money out of it or have parents, you know, particularly who are like, you know, musicians have this stigma about them and they never make any money, they're always broke and unreliable. Like, What advice would you have for these kind of people with those concerns? Well, you know, it's pretty hard at the moment, isn't it, to make a living out of music because because of the COVID situation. But prior to that, and hopefully in the future, as I said before, the more flexible you are and the more styles you know and the more fingers and different pies that you have, the more you'll make a living. If if you're just a session guitarist, you know, wanting to do session work, well, at the moment, there's not a lot, is there? You know? So, but if you can play bass and if you can sing, if you can record, if you, you've just got all these different talents, then you've got a better chance. That's it. That's my advice. And we did have an industry uh, course, industry meeting one day, and we invited all of these people in the music industry, and we had a long discussion all day. And at the end of the day, that's what they said. If you, are not, if you don't divide, diversify, then you, it's very narrow. And I can see that, you know, you can play the guitar uh, you you can teach. You started a music. You're very good at music business, Michael. And here you are. So students watching this should take it from me that Michael was just a just a 
guitar student when I've known him, but now, you know, you've branched out into many areas and and because of your intellect and your vision. So congratulations to you. Thank you, Mario. And I think, yeah, for me it was about seeing that there was a lot of musicians really struggling and musicians have been traditionally, you know, bad with money and yeah. then just going out and reading a bunch of books about finances and money and business. And fortunately, you know, my, my parents have run a business the whole growing up. So a lot of those books were just on the shelf. All I had to do was read them. And I had a wish I had read them a decade earlier, but for me, yeah, it was well, just getting organized and, and that's what set everything else in motion. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of musicians just concentrate on the creative side of things, you know, and then, there's not, <laughs> it's the end of the day and there's no more time for, for doing business now. I mean, it's just how it is. You know, when you're creative, you're just not in a business kind of mindset, you know. But, yeah, you've got to just be, you know, savvy in everything that you do to survive. And and I can also always see the ones that are going to, you know, the ones that are going to do that, you know. And I can yeah, always I'm, And I can be honest, like I really really struggled my way through university i feel like um without putting a blame on anything maybe it's just because i didn't start playing guitar till i was 15 and at that point playing it for the first time it's like getting hit like by lightning i just knew that i wanted to be a guitar player from the very first time i played yeah. my first note um but then i had to play this enormous amount of catch-up to you know play at the same level as everyone else and then you know to go from not playing to university in you know two and a half years or you know by the, the third year of playing um i just yeah. felt like i was nowhere near as good as everyone else I was catching up but I never doubted I would get there it was just I, I just needed the time and then I had that arm operation that that threw a whole nother spanner in the works because I was trying to catch up <laughs> and over practice but yeah for me like I definitely wasn't the best player and I've improved a lot since then but it's almost like when you um you get your driver's license like the whole learner's period when you get your license day number one that's when the real driving begins after you get your license you go out into the real world and that's what it was like for me i i'd done all this academic kind of playing then i went out in the real world and started playing in bands and, and teaching and i just found my little niche in teaching yeah you, you said you weren't the best player but you know uh michael uh, i'm if i can if i compare myself to other guitarists in melbourne i'm not the best player either <laughs> but um you know what i mean I could say that as well, but I, I sort of I used to think like that as well, but I, I don't anymore because I know that when I do play, I people listen and then they applaud and then they say nice things to me, you know. It's not that that I'm looking for. It's just what happens when I play. And I'm just saying that I just I just enjoy giving that to the audience, you know. Yeah, so and I, it's funny. I'm, you... uh, I'm not the best player either, but <laughs> I know what I can do. And I try to make, make people happy. Yeah. Oh, it's really funny you say that because, you know, if we said, was I technically a very fast flash player, uh, I would go, yeah. But it's really funny because I was a lot faster because I just come from a, you know, heavy metal kind of background where it was all speed and everything. Yeah. I could out, I could play faster than everyone. It wasn't anything wrong with the technique, but I just didn't know the right notes and I didn't have the feel. And, you know, I'd listen to someone like Scott Henderson or Frank Gambale or any of the jazz fusion guys and go, wow, what are all these notes? And because I couldn't do that, even though I could technically do it, but I didn't understand the language at that point, you know, I, yeah. I felt really inadequate compared to some of the people that, that could. And you're absolutely right. It's not about comparing yourself to, uh, you know, anyone yeah. else, again, because they are all different phases of their journey as well. Exactly. It's, but the, the greatest joy is when you play a musical concert and then you can see in the audience that they're enjoying the music. That's that's the best. And that's what I've missed over the last two years. And sure, I still get nervous when I play, but, you know, 
uh, it's the best when you play and people are listening and you make them happy. It's, you know, that's what, that's what I, my philosophy. Yeah, 100%. And I, for just sitting in Mario's classes and, and when he does his, you know, two to five minute demonstration at the start of every lesson, that yeah. just come across and, and we were all just in awe of you playing I, at the I same think, time as well. <laughs> I have the guitar in my hands all the time. I've been guilty of that, I know. <laughs> but but um, I just felt it was the best way for me to let the guitar do the talking. That's it. And it was also about inspiring your students and letting us know what was possible. And, I and- hope so. <laughs> disclaimer for everyone else like there are, are teachers that i've had lessons just just sit there and noodle and and you know they're more interested in showing you what they can do as opposed to teaching you and it was definitely not like that it was just hey here's what we need to work on here's an example of it without yeah. getting too carried away there was a lot of really flash stuff but it was always something where you know just instantly all the attention was on everyone was you know witnessing you know a world-class performance and uh, that's literally what it was and, and to be able to learn with you was such a privilege and again i didn't actually get to take the lessons with you directly um as a sessional teacher it was all just you know as the uh the head of that subject or you know whatever particular lecture it was in the lecture format but it was absolutely fantastic yeah you know thank you michael you know um many times uh, i'd go i'd go look here i'll do a solo for you and students would take me and they say all right well here are the notes you know so go home and transcribe them you know these are the answers that you want right because you know duke ellington said everything you need to know about jazz is in your living room or wherever your stereo is, right? Your stereo in those days, you know. And that's it's a great saying, you know, because if you listen to great players, well, there's the notes. There's a chord progression. There's the notes. They're doing it. Now just listen to what it is, find out what notes they're playing in which order, and then you could be good too, right? Well, it seems easy, but it's not as easy. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd play and they'd transcribe and they would um, – uh, learn that way. Now, Michael, recently uh, I've become a student myself, you see. So uh, I'm doing lawn bowls at the moment and I love it. You know, <laughs> It's one of my passions, golf and lawn bowls. So I've been doing some training with a, a gentleman there who's really good at lawn bowls, right? And and I ask him questions and, yeah, but where, how do you, and how do you get it so close, you see? And now, you know, I, I in every lesson I sort of wanted to, tell every student, look, it's like this. It's really easy, you know. And so that's why I would play the guitar a lot so that they could see how it is. So when I'm a, I'm a student in lawn bowls, my teacher says, look, <laughs> you aim for that peg and then you bowl it at this speed and then, you see, you'll get it. And I do it and it doesn't go anywhere near close, but he does it every time and it's close. So what is it? You know, why can he do that? He pr- probably could get my bowls. And and do it with my bowls, just like when you guys used to give me your guitars. Remember, I said, no, <laughs> yeah. like give me your guitar, and I'd play it, and it would sound completely different to the way you played it, right? Because it's in the touch of the hand, the fingers, the hands, the plectrum. You know, same guitar. I go see same guitar. <laughs> what a terrible thing to do to students. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, you see, I've become a student now. But I'm, you know, it's great. I want to know more. And I keep asking those guy questions. So I love students that ask me lots of questions. I love that, you know, because I know that they're, that they really want to get there, you know, because that's what I do when I want to learn something. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember one of my favorite uh, classes with you, you were talking about the importance of transcription and right. the classroom used to be, I think it was the old building before they knocked it down along the back of the railroad and the train just went toot toot and you literally just 
going, oh, it's doot doot, and you mimic the train going past on your guitar. So, <laughs> that's just, I've always remembered that. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well. Now, b- before you mentioned, um, you know, how difficult it's been the last two years during the lockdown. So I know every teacher listening to this had to make a choice whether they take a break or they go online. And to teach private students online is one thing, but to, you know, take a whole university faculty online and, and teach a whole student cohort is completely different. So within the tertiary realm, how did you navigate doing that? Yeah, no no worries. So online, uh, we, the theory classes weren't a problem because, um, you know, we've got all the resources on the computer. I, I was teaching theory classes, I reckon, 90% of how I would in at Oxford Institute. With the playing classes, um, we prepared a lot of backing tracks backing tracks so uh, the bass player would have their track and the guitarist and the drummer and so forth so that they could play along to something and then record their part. That was really time-consuming and difficult. Uh, Nick Lamb, who's one of the teachers there, he helped me a lot. We did we did a Wolf Peck tune. I can't think of the name of it now, but it was awesome. And because there was a time, I don't know if it's still uh, happening now, Wolf Peck put all of their the, the music for free, you know, you could get all the stems. And so with rhythm section, we we created play-alongs where students could play along to a track and then record and, and upload a video, okay? With my private student, likewise, he would, luckily he was really good with the couple that I've had, uh, we were really good with making backing tracks. And so they would play at home to their backing tracks and I would you know, listen on Zoom, you know. So that's the way we did it, yeah. But we tried we tried playing together and, of course, there's latency and, and it was just hopeless. So pretty much backing tracks and videos. All of the guitar assessments we did that way. Students had to do the test from the beginning to the end without stopping the tape, especially in oral training. Uh, we could tell if they stopped and that did it again. They had to start from the beginning and mistakes and all and go to the end. So vid- video uploads and backing tracks. Yep. You know, it's definitely a, a challenging year, but it sounds like, you know, you had to put a lot more time and effort into things, but you got th- got everyone through. Uh, it was about three or four times the amount of work. Yeah. And how was the morale of the students? Pretty low. Pretty low. You know, some I'd see them there. Hey, guys, good morning. You know, and then, you know, yeah, pretty low. Um, after about the third one, we sort of got used to it. But the first and second one, you know, where, oh, it was, yeah, the morale was very low. And the retention rate, we lost about 20% of students, I think, 20 to 30. Didn't want to continue anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty universal with all the music teachers I spoke to. It's like everyone seems to be dead on 30%. <laughs> yeah, 20 to 30%, you know, didn't continue. And that's interesting because these are the people you'd think would be a little bit more serious about it, you know, music in their life as well. Yeah, but I, I totally understand if they were pissed off and I totally get it, you know. It's it's one thing to be dedicated, but to go through that, to be honest, Michael, I don't think I would have continued. Yeah. To be honest, because it's not what I signed up for. You know, I signed up to be in a classroom in a brand-new building. We were in a brand-new building with beautiful equipment and to communicate with other students, and then I'm here at home, you know, whoa, we're taking it to another level. So I felt very sorry for my students, and I'm so happy for the ones that continue, you know. 
but I do yeah. understand. For the ones that didn't, I do totally understand. That's it. And going back to what you said before about building relationships, like oh, I absolutely loved coming to to yeah. Box Hill and, and my time at uni. It was just like, yeah, and I come from, you know, the, the western side of town, so I'd uh, either drive for 45, 50 minutes or do a 90-minute train ride each way. And right. the whole time yeah. I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. So to have that taken away from you and the social element and, you know, for those yeah. of you who come to jam and play with other people, it's a huge element. So, yeah, I can completely understand with uh, um, how difficult that would have been. Yep. Now, last time we spoke, which was a couple of years ago, you had a, a new musical project out. I believe it was your Latin album. Yep, yep. So that's still up on Bandcamp with your help. Thank you very yep. much. No, no uh, worries yeah. at all. So uh, Bandcamp, uh, if anybody wants to listen to my music, you know, you can hear my album on Bandcamp and you can buy it there. And also I start during the <laughs> lockdown, I started to do a lot of um, solo guitar things. Uh, in my bathroom because it's got lots of tiles, my bathroom, and I've got a YouTube channel. So you can just go to Mario Latuada YouTube channel and I've got, I don't know, 20, 30 videos for, ranging from Latin American to classical to pop, my pop arrangements, some jazz stuff. So I started just to play a whole lot of solo things and people, the comments I was getting were amazing, especially during the lockdown because we were starved of music, you know, and people then started asking for requests. <laughs> and it kept me going through COVID, yeah. Made me happy. Yeah. I put one up and made me happy to see people's comments go, you made my day, Mario. Wow. Yeah. How good is that, you know? Yeah, and definitely check out some of those videos. I watched a few myself. They're all uh, great playing, great great ambiance in the bathroom there. But it, it was really good to sort of, you know, develop another mini fan base of just people watching, you know, videos at home during lockdown and be able to provide some music, you know, for people who had otherwise had nothing to do. Absolutely. Just people were starved of music, you know, so it was good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and is there any other projects that you're working on either in the studio or live that you're, you're thinking about doing? You know, I am going to record another Latin album. Uh, the studio's ready and everything. I'm just on long service leave, Michael, at the moment, three months into long service leave. And as I mentioned, you know, I'm playing competitive lawn bowls now, uh, which I'm very competitive. By the way, I'm very competitive. <laughs> and I also play golf. So to be honest, you know, I've done 30 years and I just want to have a few months where I play sport all, all every day. <laughs> And um, I just recorded with Jake Underwood, and he's an ex-student from Box Hill about five years ago, and it's called the Winfield Road Experiment, and the, the CD came out last Friday. So it's wonderful. I did some rhythm tracks on it for him in a Latin style. So I did that. So Jake Underwood is his name. And I am going to do my own solo CD, and I did a concert about a month ago uh, with Danilo Rojas. He's a Bolivian guy that mixes Bolivian music with jazz. And we did a concert at the Frankston Art Centre. And we are going to do uh, some more concerts this year sometime. It's really interesting to, to meld Bolivian rhythms because normally I, I can play Brazilian rhythms and Argentinian rhythms, no problem. But Bolivian, oh, they're a little bit harder. And with jazz, you know. so. That's so it's a Latin American kind of jazz Andean band. Yeah. So I'll be yeah. doing things with them. And my own solo CD, I'm going to do another one of those as well, maybe in the second half of the year. But I also want to go traveling with my wife, you know, because 
uh, now that we can travel and I've got time, I, I, I just want to have the time to travel when I want to rather than start musical things and then, oh, sorry, guys, now I've got to go travelling, you know. Yeah. That's oh, you've got, got a whole year off. You definitely want to enjoy it and make the most of it and then that'll probably give you a, you know, refreshed, uh, a refreshed yeah. thing to come back to, a renewed energy and vigour. So that sounds awesome. And, of course, when all that stuff's out, just shoot us a, a line and we'll pop oh. it out to the top music family, make sure they, they can listen. I had one more question about mistakes, but let's dive into the books first. Yeah, well, well you've got oh. them there. Well, look, the first book, Michael, everybody should read this. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> that was just a little... <laughs> All right. Uh, look, this is an amazing book. Quincy Jones, the autobiography. Oh, my goodness. If you He went from bebop to hip-hop in a whole life, you know. This is a wonderful, wonderful uh, book, Quincy Jones. It's amazing. So that's a good read. And I just read this about two, three months ago. This is amazing. Uh, Steve Lukather, and it's called The Gospel According to Luke, a little Catholic joke there. (laughs) And, um, oh, wow, if you want to know what it was like to be uh, a studio guitarist in the 80s and 90s, read this book. Michael, have you read this? No, I haven't. I didn't know it was out, but I'm going to probably jump on Amazon after this. You will love this book. It's amazing. He's very candid, and he tells it to you how it was. He used to do 25 at the height of it, 25 sessions a week. They'd do three, three, you know, three sessions in a day, you know. He, when they asked him, how many recordings have, have you played on, he said, I lost count at 800 CDs. Yeah, unreal. He, he's just amazing. And then it, there's, a, there's a selected discography at the back of who he's played with and, and what recordings, you know, like the Michael Jackson stuff and, Oh my God, you know. So, but it's very funny because he's a funny kind of guy, right? So I couldn't put this down. That's really good. And, you know, I like all different types of music. This is John Williams, the famous Australian classical guitarist. So uh, this, you know, talks about his life. And I'm a huge fan of, you know, John Williams. So at the moment, I'm reading Mariah Carey's book, uh, which she's amazing, Mariah Carey. You know, I, I like. Singers, I like guitarists, I like bass players, drum, anything, anything to do with music. So, yeah, I, they're, they're three really good books. And, of course, sporting biographies as well, Michael. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I can always attest to any any form of successful person is probably going to have something interesting to tell you. And, you know, successful Absolutely. athletes, successful musicians, success, yeah. successful business people, they've always got things in common. Um, yeah. Now, I'm going to go on a, a bit of a tangent here and put you on the yeah, spot. Yeah. I, I know Box Hill had like the super top secret teachers only section of the library because my teacher, Jonathan, snuck me the copy of the um, – the Frank Gambale technique books one day. He goes, I'm not meant to give you these, but these are from the, the staff room. <laughs> Mario's looking confused right now. Um, well, we, we lost those. Oh, no. We lost those. I'm just wondering if you pinched them. I definitely gave them back because <laughs> John made sure I got them. <laughs> John, first thing Monday, he gave them to me Friday oh, afternoon and yeah. had to meet him up in the car park. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he made me give them back Monday at, at about 10 a.m. I remember that. Oh, um but, yeah, so in terms of guitar books for advancing guitar players, what would you sort of recommend as some, some good ones? Yeah, see, that, those Gambali ones, amazing as they are, but so t- he said it took him 25 years to develop all that stuff, if you read the uh, introduction to, to those books. Um, look, we had so many guitar books, but in the end, honestly, I, I, I wanted a bit from that and a bit from that and a bit from that. There's no one book, Michael, that I could just say, get that book. I always wanted a, a, 
this from there, this from there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but definitely the Frank and Barley book. You know, John McLaughlin brought out his DVD, you know, two DVDs, and it's called This Is How I Do It or something, you know. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, I, I would need to start all over again, you know. I, I don't, in this lifetime that I have, I, I could never do all of the stuff that uh, John McLaughlin was saying, you know. Uh, even with Frank and Barley, you, you kind of, you just got to work it out yourself. To be honest, you know, book, books are good only just to get a direction, and then you've got to take it and you know take it somewhere else. It, and as every book will have something that is useful to you, you just got to find it and nurture it. You know, so no, I don't, I don't have any. I'm not going to recommend any book. You know? Yeah, well, good, safe answer, but no, definitely valuable. There's always something to learn from any book and multiple sources and there is no one true way as much no. as certain people get into it there's so many things you can get from you know taking a, a broader sort of approach there now coming to the end of our question time here are there any mistakes you've made along the way either in your music career or your teaching uh you know i'm just going to say this if i had to you know be reincarnated and come back again i would do exactly what i did i never had a plan michael i never had a plan i just played the guitar, I met different people and then created a friendship like with Robert Bretich. You know, that just happened by accident, you know, how we met and composed music and so forth. I, I would do it all again. I'd do it all again exactly how it panned out. Just let it go, play, meet people, have a jam, you know, record with this person and it's wonderful. But the, the, there's only one, I wrote down one thing where I did make a mistake early on. Look. I had this young student, this is many years ago, who I thought was very talented. Uh, it was an Italian boy. And he was about, I don't know, 12, 13 years of age. And I saw great potential in him, okay? So it was about November, December. I was giving him a week, a weekly lesson. And I said, look, over the Christmas break and the holiday break, I want you to do this, 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 and this in your practice. And you'll be really good. So pretty much <laughs> I had him doing an hour of sight reading, an hour of scales, an hour of this. I had him doing like four or five hours, you know, because I thought he would be really good if he just did. I, I know what it is that you need to do to get good, right? Well, come January, February, his father rang me up and he said, he doesn't want to play there. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to play anymore. And he went and did soccer. <laughs> so. I feel that, you know. And that guy's name is Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any other famous soccer players, no. You know, I I sort of took charge of his life, you know, and told him to do all these things. And, who you know, who am I to tell a kid to do five hours practice every day, you know? It's got to come from within, Michael. And and uh, maybe, maybe I did him a, a, a favour. He worked, you know, he worked out early on that, you know, to be really good, you got to do many hours practice, you know. But, yeah, I, I would say that that was a mistake, you know, telling a 12-year-old kid to do five hours of practice every day over the holiday break. That's it. And, you know, when you, we finally find people we think we can be just as good as us, we get excited about it. But exactly. as you said, I, I would have done the same thing with a handful of students as well where I got too excited and, and gave them too much to, too much. to do and scared them off kind of thing, <laughs> unfortunately. Off, yeah. So, yeah, well, sometimes with those students, you just got to 
steer them in the right direction and then just, you know, let them make their own decisions from there and just nurture them as, as much as you can without, you know, but yeah, like what you said, trying to take control of everything and, and micromanaging their life. Micromanaging, yeah. So I would say that I that was a mistake that I did. I never did that ever again. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. And, you know, we're getting near the end here. So are there any final words, wisdom or advice that you'd like to pass on to guitar players and or guitar teachers? Yeah, okay. It's got to be fun. Like I said at the beginning of this, if it's not fun, you're not going to learn, okay? If you go to practice at home and you, you know, oh, I've been doing my 40 minutes now and you, and you practice the scales aimlessly and you do it because somebody tells you it's not going to be fun. Um, I've always um, compared skateboarding to music, okay? And can I ask you, Michael, did you do skateboarding when you were younger? I did. Okay. So when you did skateboarding, did you have fun? I'm a rare case because I was always conscious of breaking my arm because I like guitar more than skateboarding. But, yes, I did have fun. <laughs> when you were there, wherever you were skating, did, did, um, were you in what we call flow state where nothing else matters but just doing, you don't know what time it is, what day it is, you're just in the moment and having fun? Yep. Right. Did you, you, did you read a book on how to skateboard? Nope. Right. Did you learn by watching others? Yes. And did you go out there all the time just thinking, I'm go- I've got my skateboard and I'm going to have fun now where I'm going? Yep. Right. Well, if you can find that in playing the guitar and learning, then you will, in- you will advance. See? Because I used to go to skateboard places. And the reason I, I learned this was because my two boys were into skateboarding, right? matter of 10 or something and i actually tried it with them and then i thought wow this is fun you know the adrenaline at the age of 40 or whatever i was was pretty stupid you know but and i thought i I get this i get why so many kids go out there a whole weekend and just do skateboarding because it's it it satisfies you're having fun right and you're getting better you're learning tricks and the idea is that you want to learn more tricks all the time, like that other kid that can do that, you know. And it's like Frank and Bailey can do that, and Michael wants to be able to do that too, you see. And so um, there's no books, Michael. You know, you ask me which books do I read. What do skateboarders do? They go on YouTube and they watch Tony Hawk's or whatever. There's no books, is there? No, not at all. Right. So how do you learn skateboarding? Just go out and do it. Right. So the same with the guitar. Same with the guitar. You know, books are good. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, the, you know, just because you've got a book it doesn't mean it's going to give you all the answers, you know. You've got to use your eyes. You've got to use your ears, you know, to be a good guitarist. And it's got to be fun. If it's not fun, forget it. For me, Michael, for me, fun is I play a piece and then I learn it, learn it, and then I play from beginning to where I got up to without a mistake, you know. And I record it and I go, wow. And then I put on. John Williams, you know, I put on John Williams, listen to him, you know, or Steve, look at that, and I go, oh, yeah, I've got to, you know, I'm almost there. But that feeling of I've almost got that piece, you know, wow. And then you finally, when I go into my bathroom, you know, oh, I make a little buzz and I have to start again, you know, start again, start again, until I get it to a point of yes. And then I upload it to Facebook and I go, oh, that gives me such a good feeling. It's fun, you know. And then within half an hour, in come the comments, <laughs> and that makes me happy. That's awesome. And 
for anyone watching this and listening to this later, you can hear how much fun you're having through how you talk and the emotion in your voice and everything. And that's, again, what, what made you such a great teacher for us because you had so much fun with it and that imparted and it made it fun for us as well. Thank so, Mario, you. thank you very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure reconnecting with you here and having you on the Top Music Guitar Love Podcast. It. I know everyone listening has got so much out of it. And thanks again for coming. Can you just remind everyone where they can um, hit you up and, and get your access to your stuff and everything? Bandcamp. Just put Mario Latvada, Bandcamp. You'll see uh, Espiritu Latino is the name of my album. And then just YouTube channel, Mario Latvada. And there's a whole bunch of videos there that you can have a listen to. So there you have it, guys. Mario Lechuada, thank you so much for coming on the Top Music Guitar Podcast. We'll look forward to having another chat down the line when your album's out and all those kind of things. But other than that, thank you very much. Thank you to everyone listening at home, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again, guys. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.